It's time to unleash you at Kangan Institute. Enroll now. Kangan.edu.au. RTO 3077. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Sam Hargraves in for Dwayne today. Welcome back or to Dwayne's World for Kangan Institute. Unleash you at Kangan Institute and roll now, whichever category you fit into. Wonderful to have you on board. And I'll put my hand up and say it was a slow start to Midday Madness, and that's on me. Uh, threw up the who comes out and who goes in, uh, top eight conversation. It didn't quite really tantalise uh, the fingertips to dial one three hundred. 736 736. So I'll take the loss there. Fell a little bit flat that one, but we certainly did fire up when it came to Peter Volandi's assertions that the NRL is the number one game in Australia and will only get bigger and leave Aussie rules in the rear view after they make a successful foray into the American market. So to have your view on that, one 736 736 So you can text in on the 40 Winks, Temper Tech, 433 on the all-new Temper Pro. Temper's most adaptive mattress ever is here. Temper, a mattress like no other. Uh, by the way, right now, all thanks to Werribee Kia, during October you can finance your EV6 GT model through Werribee Kia Finance, and you'll be eligible for a free home charger and seven years complimentary capped price service. That is as good a deal as it gets. Uh, so check out Werribee Kia, and uh, you can always call us on the Werribee Kia open line, but go see the whole team, Jim, Janan, Aid, jo- who? Joey. I should know them. Dwayne gives the, the team a shout-out every day, and I should know it off the top of my head. Um, Beaumont Tiles 2 is giving away a trip for two to America's biggest footy game. It's uh, over $70,000 in value. Just shop at Beaumont's before November 12th, and you're in with a chance. TNCs apply. Buccaneers 10. Bills, 24, nine minutes to play in the third quarter uh, for Monday uh, Monday night football, for Thursday night football. What day is it? Who knows? Um, just before we get to our first guest of the day, I just wanted to just put a bow around a couple of your texts that came through about Peter Volandi's assertions and the fight that he believes that the NRL is winning against the AFL uh, and that will only continue to win as they move into the US market. Um, if the NRL gets higher viewership, then why is the TV rights deal much higher for the AFL? Yeah, from about 100 to $170 million a year more, it's going to be after the AFL signed their new TV rights deal. And I think what would have been a bit upsetting for the NRL was that by all reports, Channel 9 actually offered more for the AFL rights than they're currently paying for the NRL rights. So that's uh, that doesn't help the argument for Pete. I need to ask Pete, why is he pushing this fight? He's not trying to be to go into new markets. Vic, SAWA, is being combative, isn't going to win over people in the AFL heartland. He's trying to reassure NRL supporters and their sponsors that they're still as important as AFL. These are tactics of someone that is worried about the threat of AFL in league heartland. That's from Tim, and it seems to be a, an astute argument from Tim. The AFL expands to try and actually have a footprint everywhere in Australia and continues to do that. Tassie will be the next step, hopefully the NT after that. Apart from the Storm, who really are an incredible organisation because they run the race with very little help and very little goodwill coming out of Sydney. Just look at the Sydney media and the way they report on the Melbourne Storm. The smart judges, like your Matty Johns of the world, do pump up the Melbourne Storm, uh, but they don't get a whole lot more uh, in that space. The smart pundits, they give the Storm the respect that they deserve, uh, but it's not universal uh, up there. So it really is you know, pandering to already your rusted ons. Whereas I think the AFL tries to take on and move into new markets and try to say, hey, come and you've got your NRL team, but have an AFL team as well. So if you really do think you're in a fight, then why aren't you trying to win it in the states where you don't have a presence? WA, South Australia, they've tried and failed there. What about Tassie? And so on and so forth. Uh, AFLW season. 
It's been a fantastic year. If you've had the pleasure of watching any of the games this season, I reckon you would have thoroughly enjoyed the product that AFLW is serving up, getting better and better year in and year out. Uh, it's in the penultimate round, and uh, it's there's a lot still at play in this season. Up to 13 teams still in the running to play finals by my count. There's a million dollars up for grabs for the McClellan Trophy. Uh, and some great games to sink your teeth into. Most of them have top uh, six and finals ramifications, top four ramifications as well. To take us all through it from the age, AFLW rider, one of the best in the business is Marnie Vanell, and she's been good enough to jump on. Marnie, hello. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, loved your article about Chloe Malloy. I was reading that today, coming up against uh, her old side, Collingwood, uh, for the first time after what is one, it is the biggest deal that's ever been signed in AFLW, and she's having a stellar year for the Swans. Uh, uh, just to touch on that first and foremost, what stood out to you first and uh, most in the chat that you you had with her? Because it's a great article and a really interesting read. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things about Chloe is that she's done a lot of growing since she entered the competition. Like, she entered the competition and she was rising star in her first year. She was drafted to Collingwood as, you know, the club's number one pick. And she had all this, like, attention and pressure and she was kind of thrust into this leadership space quite early on. And then she moved to Collingwood after feeling after I mean she moved to Sydney after feeling like she was kind of stuck in a bit of a routine at Collingwood and a bit I don't want to say stagnant in her career but she was very settled and then she just really wanted to push herself into a new kind of outside of her comfort zone moved to Sydney where she's the co-captain she's taken this Sydney side from no wins last season not a single one to the now in contention for finals and she'll be the first to say that like she's grown so much and she's matured so much as a person and a player and it's interesting because she really stresses how much there's not a single drop of bad blood when it comes to her and Collingwood she's so grateful for everything that they've given her she says that Collingwood will always be part of her identity but they can't they're challenging for a spot in finals which means they've got to put Collingwood to bed on the weekend so I feel like there might be a bit of bad blood when it comes to Sunday's game yeah I loved it when she said I knew it was the right call because I feel uncomfortable so there's yeah, the, me, yeah, yeah the pressure of the deal itself and what she would have to do on field but then what her responsibilities are off field because this is a, a team just in its second year a, a lot of new players a lot of young players players who haven't been playing the game as long um and to have the season that they are to be in finals contention is is just as impressive, I think, as her as her performances have been, especially last week is one of the best games I've seen of AFLW. Yeah, well, she's had, she had 17 score involvements in that last game. So talk about taking other players with her and really putting them under her wing. She's like, come on, you'll get a goal too. I'll, sh- I'll show you how it's done. And she's yes. really been nailing it. Yeah, 17 score involvements, wasn't it, Marnie, which is an AFLW record? Yeah, yeah. Plus, I don't know if you've caught any of her goals through the season, but she's had like 60-metre ones, just snaps from the boundary. Like, she's showing off a bit, if I'm being honest. Oh, it's 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 ridiculous. It's like she's got a cheat code uh, to footy at yeah. the moment. Um, but that this game itself, um, Collingwood have been on an absolute tear. They were in a world of hurt uh, early in the season, but they have turned the ship around uh, and have gone on the winning streak that they have to, to be – uh, in the in well, they've got a final spot at the moment, but can they hold on to it with two rounds to go? Yeah, well, not just that, but they're on five wins, and the top, the two remaining spots in the top four, Kangaroos and Lions, they're both on six wins. So if they're to get six and the other two 
drop one of theirs, like depending on percentage, they could even sneak into the top four, which is a bit of a late season upset. We love a late bolter. They're, um, they're just trailing Essendon as well in their second season. So I think there's going to be a lot of um, hunger to uh, just rise on the ladder a little bit there as well. Hey, um, what did you make of Michael Pryor has hasn't been far away from the headlines at various stages throughout his tenure as the West Coast Eagles uh, coach, um, the decision that he was going to be stepping down. What was your read on that? It, it was an interesting one. And I think the AFLW community could potentially see this coming. Just when you've got the West Coast Eagles as an inaugural AFLW side, just unable to notch any wins. I mean, just always kind of at the bottom of the ladder. They're 16th at the moment. They've only got two wins. They've had six losses. And the only other teams kind of down there, like Port Adelaide, Hawthorne, these like new expansion teams that you can kind of give them a little bit more leeway, although the Western Bulldogs are mm. winless. I will also have that caveat. Um, but yeah, so his comments after that when they played Melbourne were basically that it's not fair fixture-wise that you would have the reigning premiers playing the bottom placed side when it's just a 10 round season and I think people were quick to point out that that was actually the first game that the Eagles played against um, a top eight side from the season prior so they actually had the best run of any team in and still weren't really able to notch wins and the other side of that is well to improve don't you want to play the best teams that there are so he had those comments then he came out um, and coached the Eagles to a huge upset win over Essendon, who are on their fifth on the ladder at the moment. Um, I think a lot of people had tipped Essendon to be quite clear favourites in that game. The Eagles had a surprise win over them, and then not long after, he steps down. But I do think the stepping down was potentially this season and even a few prior coming. Pardon the pun. Speaking of Marnie Vanell from The Age, AFLW writer, um, the decision, the the Free Britney movement, uh, had a win, yeah. uh, much to the AFL's disappointment, it must be said. But Brittany Gutnick, that tackle, uh, which was has been lauded by especially the, the playing fraternity of the AFLW. Heard Ruby Slicer uh, on SEN Breakfast this morning, really, really impressed. She was in commentary and just said, I loved that tackle. It was one of the mm-hmm. highlights of the match. Yes, it had a very unfortunate accident, and we take the head very, very seriously. But that is accidental outcome to what was a really well executed tackle how did you see it yeah well I worked the tribunal so I sat through it and I reported on it and I've never had such a unanimous like response from the entire community before because usually you know I've worked the Patrick Cripps bump I've worked other tribunals and you're gonna get it's just gonna set fan bases absolutely ablaze this one I don't think there was anyone arguing that it should have she should have been suspended everyone was like yep good right call let's move on I actually couldn't believe that all fans seemed to be in agreement because it was I mean the Western Bulldogs did successfully argument argue that it was a reasonable tackle everything that she did she had to sprint to get Paige Shepard and you know she even said like well if I didn't sprint to get to her and she got the ball away she was mid-kick when she was tackled then she would have been in trouble from her coach for not you know chasing hard enough like it was a perfect chase down tackle by all the textbook standards it just happens that um she did hit the ground quite like Paige did hit the ground quite hard and she did experience a concussion which we never want to see in men's or women's but it was a very fair tackle on paper 
and in reality. Uh, I agree. Hey, um, this season could not be any more even. I'm just having a look at the top eight. Uh, Geelong are in eighth, but there is five teams on the same points below them. So they're just separated by percentage. I said 13 teams still in the running uh, for the top eight. Uh, and you've got a top four that is a long way away from being decided. Uh, so who finishes top is is still anyone's. Melbourne and Adelaide uh, on equal points, but then just a game behind them, the Kangaroos and Brisbane. So you could not ask for a more even season. Um, yes, there's a bit of work to do at the bottom end of the ladder, but it's coming on in leaps and bounds. And if you're watching, especially these top teams play, you are being treated. How do you see it playing out? Because the McClellan Trophy as well, Marnie, still has three teams left in it and their club's a chance to win a million dollars for the combined results of the men's and women's team for the season. So it's all, you know, every indicator is pointing to what's been a great season so far and hopefully will be into the finals. Mm, one of those indicators being that I've just been absolutely terrible at my tipping. This season. I think I got four <laughs> last weekend. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but when it comes to this McClellan trophy, there's three sides that could still get it. So you do have Melbourne, Brisbane and Collingwood. And Melbourne are really in the box seat to get it. And it could all be basically wrapped up this weekend because you've got the Lions that have to beat St Kilda this weekend and the Demons need to beat Fremantle, which you can kind of see both of those happening. If the Lions lose that game to St Kilda, though, who are in the running for finals, they're placed 12th at the moment, then it's basically all Melbournes. You've got Collingwood as well, who are still in the running. They, um, But they're one game and 17 percentage points behind. So they would need Melbourne and Brisbane to lose their games and drop some percentage points for them to still be um, able to take the trophy. But it looks like it's going to be down to Melbourne-Brisbane, which is also very exciting because the very last home and away game that we're getting is Melbourne-Brisbane. Yeah, it's shaping up to be an extraordinary finish to the season. Really appreciate you get jumping on to have a chat to us to take us through what is a really important penultimate round. As I said, I think just about every match has ramifications for top eight um, and, and a couple for top four uh, as well. So it's going to go down to the wire, which is a really good thing. Exactly, the way we always want it. Thank you so much. Uh, big thanks to Marnie Vanell from The Age, AFLW writer. And check out that article too. Chloe Malloy has been a, a brilliant signing, an inspired signing for the Sydney Swans, and they are in the finals mix in just their second year. So too are uh, Essendon, who are well ensconced in the top eight in just their second year in the competition uh, as well. Uh, the Hawks with a little bit of work to do, um, and Port Adelaide uh, down the bottom uh, as well. Um if you haven't heard uh, Ruby Slice's chat today, Kane Corns asked her if his uh, criticism of, of the last 60 seconds when Port uh, lost the unlosable game was justified and worth having a listen to Ruby's view that, yes, that kind of criticism is justified, but some perspective as well, given that Port Adelaide are just in their second season in the competition. So what can you teach them in a part-time structure uh, to be ready for that situation in just their second year? It was a really interesting chat with Kane's criticism and also Ruby's response to it. So check that out on the podcast as well. World Series of Baseball is uh, just around the corner. We're on the eve of it. Sam Brief uh, is a baseball broadcaster based in Chicago in the US who's been following this closely and is going to set it up for us if you haven't been following, which I haven't been through the course of the year. So I'm looking forward to chatting to Sam Brief up next on Midday Madness. This is Dwayne's World.